So I see on uh, social media that your stealth has arrived. It has. Um, I felt a sudden and immediate compulsion to get to a golf course. Can you just talk me through the whole thing? Because there's the, there's something about um, a package in the post, isn't there? Were you in? Did you have to go get it from a neighbour's house? Did they leave it behind a bin? I was actually on my way out and I opened the door and a guy from DHL was there. Other package companies are, of course, available. Um, and it was incredibly exciting. It was it was incredibly exciting. I actually said to the guy, this is a very good start to the week. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I knew it was from TaylorMade as well, because helpfully um, it had TaylorMade custom in huge letters on the box. Like so I knew, exa- I knew exactly. I, yeah, I knew exactly what it was. And I, I, I'm like this with anything, whether it's like a gadget or whether it's I just love unpackaging stuff. New kit. I just I, I get a real thing. I've got a real thing for it. There's a few other things I need to know. So did you unpack it in your house or did you do that at the golf club? I unpacked it in the house. Did you? And are you using the head cover that's come with it or have you replaced the head cover with your own head cover? No, I'm using the one that came with it. It's very classy. I really like it, actually. And it's pretty hard. You know, you know, the thing, you know, the problem with the head cover, you like you get it and then three weeks later, it's either frayed or ripped. This looks like it's got some proper use in it. I'm quite encouraged. They're like sort of boxing glove quality, aren't they? Yeah, that is a very good description, actually. And if you um, have you remembered to take the sticker off, you know, the one that's on the shaft. No one ever takes that sticker off. It really annoys me. I bet you've left it on, haven't you? I have left it on. Um, I only just remembered to take the shrink wrap off the club face before I hit it. Mm. And what have you done with the adjustment tool? That's another thing I never quite know what you're supposed to do with that. Well, nothing because it's um, it's custom fit for me. So it came in the required loft shaft so will, grip there combination. Will tool, there will be a tool for you to adjust that loft if you want to. What have you done with it? It may still be in the box. Right. So I never know what to do. So I end up putting, you know, those um, pouch things you get given at um, posh places. I always put them in, I put them in one of them and then carry it around in my golf bag and then never use it. I usually have one in my golf bag because I have had occasions where club heads have come loose. You are allowed to fix them. You are allowed to tighten them under the rules of golf. Get a bit of rules of golf in there. Just don't change the characteristics. And what was the, um, what was the sort of, the goodbye to the old driver like what have you done with that is it in the boot of the car or has it gone on ebay like how 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 serious is the breakup i've been fairly disrespectful to it i think because i don't actually know where it is <laughs> i don't actually know where it is i'm gonna have to think now you've just sort of cast it aside don't need you anymore yeah like a spurned lover <laughs> uh right okay so then where did you debut at, at strenny yeah, I went to York. Um, I did not go on the practice ground. I did not go on the driving range. I basically went straight to the first tee, set up a camera and hit it. And, and the first it, it is a driver, isn't it? So you weren't like, wasn't, uh, yeah. It was It was magical, Tom. I did see the video, I have to say. <laughs> it did make me laugh. Uh, so there was like this sort of very uh, kind of visceral thing of you gone past a bunker that you normally end up in yeah yeah i I am in that bunker every single time so strensel's first hole is really quite hard 
It's about 440 yeah. yards off the whites. It's it is not a gentle opening, and there's a bunker just off the right of the fairway that I that is banging my landing zone, and I just hit it every single time. And if you haven't watched the video, go ahead and watch it on social media because it's only about, it's only about a minute and a half. I just want to draw your attention to the sound of the ball coming off the club face. I have never hit a shot like that before. Yeah. The acoustics off those stealths are exceptional, aren't they? Um, that's good then. So you got off to a good start. Yeah, I'm looking I, forward I, to hearing more about it. I hit it on four holes. Um, I hit the fairway on three, and then on the other hole, I hit it so far for me that I found a cross bunker that I'm normally 20 yards behind, okay. and it, and they all went bolt straight. So this is very encouraging. It is early days, isn't it? I don't think it's too small a data point, isn't it? Four shots to draw any massive conclusions. Um, but it is encouraging. So encouraging, in fact, that I've been pestering my mate that I sometimes play golf with to go and play golf on Sunday. I'm that keen to get out. So I've been out and about. You've been fine dining with the with the high set of golf governance, haven't you? I don't know. I'll sort of more, I would be more positioning it as I've been to the games heartland. I've been absolutely to the sort of the nub of the grassroots game, actually. Um, so I've been at the England Golf Awards, uh, which was somewhat incongruously at the Hilton on Deansgate in the middle of Manchester sort of about as far away from a golf course as you can get in this country, I would think. Um, it got off to a very embarrassing start, Steve. I'm, I'm so happy you're going to tell this story. I was about I was about to push you in this direction, so I'm now going to just shut up and let you get on with it. Well, I mean, as you know, I'm not the world's most organised person. Um, I try and, uh, and also I do try and optimise my time. Um so I sort of penciled in yesterday afternoon for suit shopping. Um, so I thought I'm going to, for once in my life, I'm going to try and turn up to an industry do, not looking like a sack of potatoes in a suit that I bought in 1998. So I'll go and get myself a new suit. And in order to make sure that I did that, I didn't even take my old suit or any of my old suits with me. Um, so I thought, right, you're going to have to buy a suit. Anyway, then obviously I didn't leave enough time for suit shopping. So I ended up in a next on some like shopping estate on the outskirts of Manchester. Um, the woman in the shop was very confused because I went in and kept the suit on and uh, we then had to sort of de-tag it, which was quite complicated whilst I was wearing it. Uh, anyway, I was quite, I was quite pleased with myself. Um, <laughs> I was quite pleased with my sort of sort of sharp look. I went for a kind of a light grey, um, thinking I didn't want to look like I was at a funeral. I don't really like blue suits. They're a bit sort of uh, York races. Um, anyway, so I got there, pleased as punch, ran into uh, an old friend, Paul O'Hagan from Footjoy, and he said, have you not read the dress code? I was like, what? And it was flipping black tie, wasn't it? So I'm there in my basically silver sh suit and everyone else is in a black tux. You so, can't a bit, but I mean, I've seen these dress codes before, though. There's always a few people who who misinterpret it. You wouldn't have been the only one there, would you, without a without a tux? Well, there were some women there wearing 
dresses that were different colours. But no, I think every other man had managed to get a tux on apart from me. So that was pretty bad. Um, anyway, it's quite a good event. It's quite a good event. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever been to one. I think it's I've been to half a dozen probably. Um, so it's, it's all about um, celebrating people who've um, supported amateur golf. So England Golf, as we, as we all know, is the sort of governing body of the amateur game in England. And this is their annual chance to thank the people and the volunteers and the clubs around the country they think have done the best job in helping England Golf support amateur golf. Um, it was Claire Balding was the host. She was good. We, we should probably try and get her on the pod. She reckons she plays at least twice a week. She was actually on the subject of uh, this podcast. She was bemoaning um, people who don't submit their scores. She reckons she submits every score. Uh, so her handicap is a very true reflection of her sort of ability. And she thinks that the worst crime is people sort of charading off lower marks than they should be because they're sort of trying to uh, protect their ego. So that was interesting. Um, my table was um, some of the journalists um, and uh, Jamie Weir off of Sky Sports. Do you know him? You are. You've been mixing in celebrity circles, haven't you? Well, I'm just I'm picking out the highlights. Yeah. Uh, so that was interesting. So he was <clears throat> ranting about live as he's prone to do. Uh, he's off to the players next week and then the Masters in three weeks after that. So that's pretty good. Uh, anyway, these awards were um it was it's genuinely good to hear these stories, right? Um, and I think that we talk on this podcast about sort of the macro issue, don't we? We, If we're talking about participation, we're talking about the big numbers, like how many people are playing altogether or how many girls are playing or whatever. Um, and if we're talking about WHS, we're trying to talk about the big picture to do with it. And I guess what these awards do is give um, it gives you a chance to hear the sort of local stories and about the local heroes. And I guess that's kind of where the colour is, isn't it? Um, And there were some pretty amazing, pretty amazing stories. They have an award um, for Young Volunteer of the Year. So this is for under 18 year olds who are um, helping to um, run an aspect of their golf club, normally a junior section or encourage new people into golf. And they were all girls which I think sort of stood out to me. And they're all girls actually pretty local to us. There's a girl from Fulford who used our gym. Yeah, Golden Alex Bonfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty cool to hear. Um, the Club of the Year story was amazing. Um, it's a company called, uh, a club called Seckford in Suffolk. Um, there's an absolutely lovely guy from there who spoke really, really well. Um, he'd been the pro there for, I think, did he say 25 years? He's been through various different owners um but obviously sort of seeing the golf club change an awful lot um and they run um, a dementia golf day each year which i thought was a pretty cool thing i think the, the the pro had sort of suffered or his family had suffered with dementia and it's just something that he brought to the club um sort of quite a trailblazing thing i think to, su- to support um that particular thing um so it was, it was it was it was really good actually and and I think that, you know, like I say, this just sort of gets lost that we're a game that's underpinned by volunteers in the main. Um, so it was really good to hear a lot of those, a lot of those stories. Um, there's some quite big themes I think came out of it, like sustainability is obviously a big, big part of it. Um, there was a, an award for sustainability project of the year, um, Ocean Tea sponsor it, who make those bamboo teas. 
so that was pretty cool. Um, and then a little bit of the um, sort of elite stuff. Um, so a guy called uh, Dylan Shaw Radford, another Yorkshireman, uh, won performance of the year um, for his achievements as an, as an elite golfer last year. He won the Caris, um and he won the Justin Rose Telegraph comp and he won Scottish Boys. Um, so he's a pretty talented boy. He's only 17. Um, and he shares a coach with um, Tommy Fleetwood. So there's a video message from Tommy Fleetwood, which was also pretty cool that he'd taken time out to do that. So as with all these things, it was very sort of uh, warm and fuzzy evening and managed to get myself to bed before offending anyone. So that was good. Sounds like a result. <laughs> so I was on the judging panel for Club of the Year. Were you? I was, yes. Um, and Seckford's Sek- story was quite inspirational. There were many inspirational stories, actually, among the nominees. Um, but unfortunately, I couldn't go last night because I had made a prior engagement. Um, you've been, you, I, were, you were a rules night. I was spreading the word of the rules of golf to the <laughs> members of Easing World Golf Club in North Yorkshire. Um, so uh, a member of Easing World is a championship referee for England golf, and um, he's been anyway, he's been a mentor of mine essentially. So whenever I I was joking with him last night that whenever I have problems with the rules of golf with my column, he's the one I send it to to get the answer from. If that makes hey, sense. Right. Yeah. So um, ages ago he'd asked me if I would um, come and provide the light entertainment. I think. Um, to his rules night so while he was going through some of the rules I uh, uh, entertained the guests with some of my rules of golf columns I would like to think that the questions were the thing that everyone was drawn to but it might have been the Slingsby gin that I was handing out for people who got correct answers you get free Slingsby gin do you at one of these no, we had some free slingsby gin, which I half inched, purloined, and, and took and took to give away as prizes. Unbelievable! It was an absolute result, honestly. I, 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 from one hand up, I think for the first one, about twenty hands up, when it was clear there was a prize on offer. Yeah. Are you, um, are you in a position to do a quick impromptu quiz, rules quiz for me? Can you remind yourself of one of the questions you asked? uh well yeah so these are all available um on our website because they were from real columns um so i asked them um is it compulsory to take relief from ground under repair tom do you have to take relief from ground under repair you do yeah no you don't what (laughs) no you don't yeah true um you always have an option to play it as it lies in ground under repair now clubs can change that they can make ground under repair a no play zone for example a former club of mine did do that um i was i was trying to give people last night a kind of message with that because a lot of golf clubs will go for no play zones around gur because if you think about it intuitively it's gur you'd want people not to play from it to protect it particularly if it's things like bunkers that are being renovated but one of the issues with making it a no play zone is um if you remove the option of playing as it lies you essentially force a golfer to take relief well they may not like where the nearest point of complete relief is and we had a, we had at one of my former clubs uh, a bunker that was being renovated uh, it, and the nearest point of complete relief for a player was under a tree <laughs> and that's where he had to drop it because that's that was his nearest point of complete relief so that was more that the message that i was trying to get across to just be aware of you know giving players an option 
um, with ground under repair. I mean, 99% of players, if they find their ball in ground under repair, just pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Relief. That's what that's what we all do. Anyway, that was one of them. And then I, I, I roll I rolled through some of the greatest hits, Tom. Come on, then. Ask me another one. Let me try and redeem myself. Shall I give people a sneak preview of an upcoming column? Yeah, this, yeah, is, an, this is this is an exclusive then. Um, can you play in a stroke play event and a match play at the same time? So could you play in a Saturday Stableford while playing in a singles knockout? Um, well, the rules are different, which I learned on a previous podcast with you. Um, there's different penalties and stuff, isn't there? That is correct. Um, so I think you probably can, but it'd be a bit awkward. Um, and you'd have to potentially, would you have, would you have to sort of have your own local rules to what rules you're going to play by? No, but you're you're massively on the right lines, so you can do it. It's generally not encouraged by the committee procedures of the rules of golf because of the problems that you've outlined. That stroke play and match play rules are different. So if you've got if you find that this situation, what you essentially play to say to players is um, follow stroke play rules, not match play. So that makes a distinct difference because concessions are essentially out because obviously if you don't haul out in a in a medal, for example, if you don't haul out, you get DQ'd if you tee off from the next tee without hauling out. Obviously in Stableford, you get zero points. Um, but the order of play is also affected. So, you know, if we're playing ready golf and I go before you in match play, you've got the option to yeah, recall, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You recall the stroke, but you, you can't do that in a stroke play. So essentially you can do it, but play to a stroke play format. It's a good one. And then... What sort of people turn up at these things then? Is it is it for golf club managers in the area or do club members go? No, it was a night for club members. So it was right. it was it was for local club members. We had a good spread actually. Um we had sort of uh, I think about thirty, which was pretty right. good. Uh, and it was a good mix of the membership as well. Um uh, uh, a number of women, uh number of seniors, number of uh, younger players as well. It was a good it was a decent spread. I was very pleased. I was very nervous when I started. Um, which was a surprise like, to me because yeah. I'm quite loquacious. Do you know when Rick Shields did his podcast live and he sold out the Lowry Theatre in Manchester? Wow. I don't think we're far off, Steve. I think we could we could sell tickets. Ask Steve anything. We should have it. We should do that. We should do that. We should do a live one, shouldn't we? Do we should, a do a, one, should do a live rules podcast. Put me on the spot. If you give me enough comments about this, we'll consider it. We'll do it. We could pit, we could pit you against another rules expert. We could like have a knockout, find the country's biggest rules expert. It's like that um, MTV thing, celebrity death match. <laughs> Mills, right, Lane, Mills Lane's just passed away, hasn't he? Though recently, so we couldn't have anyone going. Let's get it on. <laughs> um. So it's Friday afternoon, isn't it? And people as we record, up. yes up and down the country will be getting excited about their weekend's golf um so we're going to talk about rolling up for golf aren't we roll up tea times practices w a little bit of whs but not much whs obviously um so i guess the sort of headline is have we seen the death of roll-ups are roll-ups still a thing um 
what do we prefer? Do we prefer the like, concept of a start time? Um, would we prefer to have more informal uh, arrangements that the clubs are members of? Um, people get angry about this, don't they? As in, it is a thing that people talk about. How does it work at Strensel? So uh, COVID changed a few things, I think. Um, and, and COVID is really why this debate is in the is in the spotlight again, because obviously there were forced tea times, weren't they, for a while um, through uh, the restrictions that were in place. And then obviously clubs had a decision to make, didn't they, when those restrictions were um, relaxed and some members, depending on demographic or age, primarily, I think, had different opinions on others. So I don't know this for a fact, but I think Strensel changed a little bit through COVID. Um, and we've now got what we've got at the moment essentially is a hybrid. Um, so if I take uh, tomorrow as an example, Saturday, I think that's a I think that's a good one. Well, Saturday is actually not a good example because we've got a comp. Um, is a winter stable for Dom. But generally, I think like on a Sunday, like tea times, if you play before half past nine in the morning, uh, it's roll up, just just turn up. And then there are booked tea times and there might be, you know, one or two competitions taking place, maybe a, a men's competition or a women's competition. There's usually a women's competition on a Sunday morning. Uh, and then once you get past a certain hour, I think in the summer, it's like half four but it'll obviously probably be earlier in the winter. Once you get past a certain time in the afternoon, it reverts to roll up again. Um, so you don't need a book tea time either early in the morning or late in the afternoon, you can just turn up and then you've got book tea times uh, around that. During the week, between about 12 and one, usually there's an organized roll up. Um, and, and, and what happens there is you, uh, you can just turn up, I think, but you can also sign up to it on our tea service it's, it's it's almost classed as like an event so you can go on to the tea times and you can put your name down and then you you turn up and they put the balls in the air and you go with who you go with and um and that's how it works so i think we've got quite a, I've, I've been very long-winded about that but we've got quite a um a decent mix of play when you like and sign up for a tea time i i think it works really well because i don't know how uh, other listeners do it but our, our golf club is very very busy very busy um i mean i promise you maybe i can do it i promise you if i look at my if i look at the tea time sheet now it will be full right up to about three o'clock and it will have been full since first thing this morning since tea time booking starts so i do think um it uh it fulfills everyone's desire, doesn't it? I think if you want a booked tea time within those hours, you can have one. If you want to just turn up, you can have one. If you want to play in a relaxed men's roll up, for example, on a Monday or Wednesday or a Friday, you can do it. There's a lot of options within it. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, I hate to be the sort of the, the voice of balance. I hate that. Much better to be a polemist, isn't it, in these scenarios but it, it is a it is a funny one isn't it um so i think what i ought to be saying if i was like a pocket pocket book voter or whatever um as in i was only dealing with my own my own point of view or my own life like it's a very strange thing isn't it to arrive to play somewhere not knowing what time you're going to start 
like you don't go to the football match sort of vaguely on Saturday afternoon, do you? You go and it kicks off at three and you know what time you're going to be home pretty much. Yeah, I, I personally don't. I personally don't like it very much. Um, but then on the other side of the equation, I am pleasantly surprised when I go down there sometimes and it's empty. That's like a that's like a cheeky thrill. So you don't like the idea of pre-booking a time? No, I don't like the idea of turning up and not knowing how long you're going to, how long you're going to wait. I mean, I should say that my background before going to York was at a club where all tea times were booked. I mean, we used to have to ring up on a Friday afternoon to to book tea times for like the following week, for example, before. I mean, this was before, obviously, Internet systems and then Internet system came in and every tea time was booked. So this even this hybrid is quite unusual for me because I've come from an environment of you knew exactly when you were going to play every time you went out. And I much prefer that, Tom. I, I th- Your situation at, at Old Woodley, it's a little bit more relaxed, isn't it? It's a bit different. Well, it is, yeah. I mean, I always talk about Old Woodley, don't I? I've, I have been members of other golf clubs in the past. Um, the club I started playing golf at um, was Louth Golf Club in Lincolnshire. I've definitely written some very overblown, uh, wistful blogs about it, as I'm prone to do. Um, and we had um, the sort of kind of sheet up in the clubhouse where you wrote you wrote your name at your uh, allotted time. Um, but that was like you say, it was before the days of computers, and you so people would turn up on the day the sheet came out, on the minute the sheet came out, in order that they could bag their time for two weeks hence when they when they wanted to play seven o'clock and be first out when i was a um, member at cleveland tom they did that they had the sheet on a wednesday night at 7 p.m they used to make an absolute killing in the bar i was going to say it becomes a thing right so you have sheet night i'll be i'm off to the club for sheet night that's my best northern accent i could offend some other people with accents as well if you want please stick with please, that one. please don't <laughs> um but that is the thing isn't it and i guess that that is an interesting thing because those people are going to Cleveland or in my case Louth and the act of going to the club it's another reason to go to the golf club um, and then you have a pint with your mates and you're getting all that social side of it but you are booking a time right um, and I think the roll-up what the what's what is the essence of the roll-up like what is the strongest argument for it and I think probably would lean on all Woodley for that so we Pre-COVID, no tea times at all, right? Um, so the only sort of recognition of um, of allotted times was uh, like a not handwritten, but a sort of typed message on the website um, or on on the notice board, which would say at two o'clock on Thursday afternoon there'll be a visiting party of eight golfers, but it'd be written literally written out as prose, like not. And you know, on a spreadsheet or whatever, um, and that was it. And the rest of the time was just an absolute free for all. Now, what Al Woodley did do in those times is it relies on um, just tradition, basically. So you know when people are playing golf. So Tuesday morning is um, ladies' morning. It's not officially so. So you are more than welcome to go and play as a man, but you will get glared at. Um, and uh, Wednesday is traditionally a very sort of big roll-up day and there's a lot of medics at Woodley and Wednesday afternoons is traditionally the uh, GP's afternoon off. There's a lot of golf played on Wednesday afternoon. Um, and then there, there are 
there are two significant groups on a Saturday that I talked about before, the Boom, Breakfast Order of Merit, and the SAGs, Saturday Afternoon Golfers. And they all um, historically would turn up in a clump. Um, and then some ladies play on Saturday mornings at about half nine. Uh, and you sort of know all these things. And then in the week, there are regular groups at about half past eight um, who all play together. And there's another group at about half past nine. Um, and obviously, over the years of being a member, you you understand what the pattern of play is and you sort of stay out of the way of, of when of when you know people's regular games are. Um, COVID, as you say, changed a lot of that. So we were, had to introduce um, tee booking, which was hilarious because there's not very much golf played at Old Woodley at all. So um, in the sort of rush of people back to golf after COVID, when courses were sort of rammed, we were kind of like doing our best thing as a club to sort of follow protocol and limiting the amount of rounds that people could play and was sort of saying, oh, we've got to give everybody a chance to get on the golf course. And then you went on the tee sheet. There's just literally hours and hours and hours of empty times. Absolutely bonkers. Um, so that was funny for a period. Um, and then and then then there was kind of a big argument. Like there's the argument that we're going to have on this podcast is some people really really liked having tea times having the certainty of um, knowing when they were going to play um, and others didn't um, they wanted to go back to how it was um, and we've ended up in a kind of mishmash where you now don't book times on Saturdays and you don't book times um, in members times but you can book times as a visitor and outside of um, members times which creates its own problems um, but I think the, the the context of these Saturday groups is probably the, the easiest thing for me to talk about is that um, people would routinely just turn up at one o'clock to join the Saturday afternoon golfers and then they would work out their groups once they got there. Um, and nowadays they all do that on WhatsApp and uh, obviously that has led to sort of fragmentation. So now people are arranging fours or threes in advance um, and the idea of everyone sort of going together and throwing the balls in the air it hasn't died off completely and obviously everyone still drinks in the bar after and all the rest of it but it, it has definitely changed the dynamic a little bit so if you now turned up on a saturday for example um just out of the blue because you think right like for example i could have put my name down last night at york or i could have just turned up i suppose at 12 o'clock today and someone would have welcomed me into the the roll-up. I'd have been able to play. I'd be able to get a game because it's not as it's not as organised as a process to go through of pulling balls out of a hat or whatever. If you turn up tomorrow at your appointed hour, having not been in any of these WhatsApp groups, are you going to be in an awkward situation, or would you just be welcomed in in the in the same way? Because that's what I think a roll-up at its heart should be. It should be anyone turns up, anyone plays. You're welcome just arrive at this time and we'll fit you in yeah so i mean i think what would happen is it would be a bit awkward because i would clearly be on my own looking for a game and there may just well not be a slot for me mm. so you'd then be asking people to split off and make a two and a three or whatever else and that's kind of a bit suboptimal as well isn't it because that's not what people were expecting to do i might get into trouble here but i i would say that that's not a roll-up then that's organized tea times within the framework of an allotted hour or whatever yeah it's not that's what yeah that is i think that's the point that i'm making that it used to be a very genuine roll-up we on the 
in the morning and um, the sort of the, the course doesn't open till seven so it was you meet at seven um and people would then go out in groups from that time and like genuinely you might not end up playing till half past eight mm. um which some people like enjoyed and that it meant they got a chat chance to chat to everyone on the putting green or over a cup of coffee or whatever it's like a disaster for me yeah and for me misses, your missus just thinks you're a liar she it takes six weeks I've only experienced this once and it was as a it was as a visitor at another club but the framework was so relaxed that you basically just went to the first team waited in line and I think there was about sort of four or five groups just waiting there so we knew it was going to be like about 40 45 minutes and I just spent the whole of that time thinking I'm wasting minutes here I'm like I could have been doing something else now some people would say we'll go to the driving range then go and warm up go and hit some balls go and have some putts go and have a meal in the clubhouse go and have a drink go and put some money behind the bar I see the logic of all of that stuff and it's all very worthy Um, but at that precise moment I was grumbling about not getting on when I thought I was going to get on and thinking I'm wasting time here yeah I think that it it it, you want to play when you when you've done your warm up, you want to play on your own time frame, don't you? Yeah. Like before you get into broken promises at home, there is that sort of just very selfish golfer thing is that the, you get hit up enough as it is without not understanding when you're actually going to be teeing off, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, before we, before we, uh, I get too far down a critical line of roll ups, um, I am genuinely in favour of them. Um, my my first experience of golf at my previous club was just turning up on a Saturday morning and a Sunday morning at nine o'clock, knowing I would get a game. Um, the occasions that I've done it at York, where I've turned up at twelve o'clock and got a game, um, they're they're great experiences. You know, if you if you're new to a club, which I was in both occasions, they're a fantastic way of meeting new people. They they really are. You can sort of break down the, and it's usually the core of the golf club as well that kind of attend these things. So you sort of meet the people that. Not, not the people that matter, but you, you meet the people that you're most likely to see on a regular basis. And it did, it did give me um, a grounding. I mean, I've, I've spoken, haven't I, about the difficulties I have playing single golf. I don't enjoy it. I like playing with other people. And, and a, and a roll-up allows you to do that, doesn't it, without necessarily feeling that you have to force yourself into another tea time i've got no problems doing that in competition i'll if there's a spare slot and i'm a single i'll sign up with anyone i don't mind but i always feel like on a sunday or when there's not a competition i always feel like i'm invading someone's personal chat um and i just like and a roll-up breaks down all of that you know there's there's no kind of defenses up is that it's just you understand the concept is turn up and you'll play with someone yeah i think so the, it's great in theory, isn't it? Like I think that's the point that you're making is that the the con the idea of being able to say, oh, we're so laissez-faire at this golf club, everyone can play with everyone, we're all very accommodating and willing. Um, I think that is great in principle. The the truth of it is that if you played in a roll-up and the balls were thrown in the air, there'd be some people where you would think, great, I'm playing with Dave, he gets on with it, and we both like football. And there'd be some people where you would go, oh, God not him again and that I mean that is that is true of any group isn't it so yeah 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 um so I think there's a there's an element of that but then the flip side of is it like I I absolutely hate the like the rigidity of the other side of it like the sort of 908 tea time and the 916 tea time and you're all sort of queuing up like a line of 
a stand of taxis to get out at your allotted time. And that sort of formality and fuss and nonsense is stuff that I really rally against. Yeah, don't go um, early or late, Tom, because you'll get penalised. Well, yeah, yes, I know. <laughs> and rules are rules, Steve. You've made that very clear. Um, so the, the, you've written some stuff about this in the past for our for our website, and um, the SMS stuff is interesting. So um, SMS is a, a, a sports specific, in truth, mainly golf specific research agency. Um, so they do a lot of the kind of participation work for the RNA. Um, they do a lot of um, a lot of um, work on behalf of golf brands in general. Um, and they they're quite sort of firm on this, aren't they? About um, what they what they think the impact of a lack of online booking is for new golfers. They're they're very much in the camp that the new the the people who came to the game through COVID would expect to be able to book a time, right? Yeah, so I wrote a love letter essentially to roll-ups because I'd been in a few of them at a new club and it, it helped me to meet people in the club. And um, and I, I wouldn't say that the roll-up was under threat, but but it's the future of it was being talked about because um, if you think of it from a club's point of view, and I'm not necessarily talking about York here, but if you think about it from a club's point of view, a roll-up, no one knows how many people are going to turn up. It might be 40 people for an hour slot one week, but it might be 20 people the next. Well, if you're a busy golf course, um, you know, that's especially as it was in COVID and after COVID, struggling for tee times, struggling for tee sheet place, you want to know who's exactly who's going to be on your golf course at any one time, don't you? Because um, you're essentially losing money, right? Um, or you're essentially losing member usage. So I, un- I understand the pressure, but, but I essentially wrote a a love letter to the traditional roll-up as it was and there'd just been some um research undertaken by sports marketing surveys um who were looking ahead um at, at this debate and they and they basically said that what new golfers what the new generation of golfers and what i mean by that is younger players working players or people who'd come into the game as a result of covid they were unequivocal about what they wanted if they were time poor the ability to book a slot in a time that suited them was absolutely integral in keeping them retained in clubs. It was the number one thing that they wanted, which is why I think after COVID, you had that big tea time roll up debate. You had a certain demographic of member who'd always enjoyed the golf club as it was, just turn up and play almost as you, as you've had it um, at all Woodley. And then you had a younger player who joined post lockdown and all they had ever known was tea times because that was the restriction and they enjoyed the tea times and they wanted to keep them because they knew where they stood right i've got to work wednesday morning but i know if i get finished i can get a tea time at 128 at the golf club and i can go in the afternoon i can play my golf that's a very very attractive prospect isn't it for someone who has kids or has busy work or is trying to you know fit a couple of hours in for golf that certainty of knowing when you were going to play is incredibly attractive so it's a really difficult it's a really difficult thing isn't it for a club to manage if you've got essentially two separate groups they're both as important to the golf club as each other because one's long-standing members on the whole been there for a long time 
very loyal and another is a new breed of money that you're hoping to keep in the club for an awful long time because they're your next generation of what this group that loves roll-ups are at the moment um so it's 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 a tug of war isn't it but but the research was pretty clear the newer generation of golfers wanted booked tea times uh, yeah which is pretty compelling stuff right um that's really really well described um it's it's really difficult isn't it because i don't i don't want to be someone who's is trying to sort of rip up all of golf's traditions and say oh, forget about dress codes there's independent golfers of the future let's all have tea times because it just makes you sound like some sort of pillock modernist who thinks that everything that's gone before is bad and everything that will be is great um and that is not the position i'm trying to take at all um going to go back to my Louth experiences so we had a there was a um sort of as there are at all golf clubs there's like a sort of dynasty um the moody's um were kind of a family that sort of dominated a lot of things um their dad trevor was the junior organizer simon and adrian the boys both played really good golfers simon particularly is one of the best putters i've ever seen uh, and their mum played as well janet um and uh, so Simon was sort of in charge of our Saturday group um, and we had this tea time booking system like I said but what they would do is they would just block block like six or seven consecutive times with sort of placeholder names and then we would all rock up um, and there would be how many there would be and sometimes there was too many of us for the tea time so we'd all just sort of squish in uh, and other times we didn't fill the times and people got cross with us um, but they were they were absolutely brilliant mornings and the, 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 like I say there was a tea sheet but it, it was that sort of roll-up nature where you don't you didn't know where you were going to be first or last out obviously you could say I need to go but I never in those days you never needed to go because you're just going to go and sit in the bar afternoon anyway um, and they were brilliant things like we um it was a pound in it was 10 10p bits and birdies um and it was a, a brilliant fiddle um, the club I played at in London, Cromehurst, had a very similar thing, but they actually ran an independent handicap book for it. Um, as in, you had like your, your Saturday morning fiddle handicap, which was different from your actual official handicap. And these were all sort of in the essence of that roll up, definitely. If it's just a group of people who play at a regular time and they turn up and play with whomever. And those are absolutely my best golfing memories. I mean, the Louth stuff, particularly. Um, because there is something amazing about that, particularly as a kid, like I was 16 or 17, um, and you were playing with people who were much, much older than you from all walks of life. Um, it's only a small town. And they're, they're, they're people whose names I can still remember now, right? I've had nothing to do with them for 30 years, but I can still tell you that Rob Murder used to pick me up outside my house and drive me into, into golf on a Saturday morning. Um, I can tell you that Jeff Kettle was an absolutely amazing four or five handicapper up into his 50s. And I wouldn't have played with these people if it wasn't for a roll-up scenario, because I would have just booked my tea time with the juniors or whatever at whatever time, and that would have been it. And of course, like socially, we sort of gravitated towards the younger ones. And after golf, we'd go off horse racing or whatever in the afternoons. Um, but the the, the roll-up made that a club, right? That's it, otherwise it's just a group of um, a small group of mates playing together but that is, that is what made it a club um 
so there's a huge huge part of me that is sort of would like that to be how it is um but nowadays it just it, I, I can't even conceive of that if i if i'm leaving the house to go and play golf at 6 30 on a, a saturday morning the expectation is that i'll be back by lunchtime and i can't you can't guarantee that can you with a roll-up no but on on the other side of that as well you know as much as i've talked about fixed tea times my ultimate problem with fixed tea times in a non-competition setting is it's the same people who play together every week it's the same trio you can roll down the tea sheet and you'll see the same three uh, or four however many it is and that's fine that that's their they're their friends they're the people that they most want to play with i un- i understand that i'm not criticizing that what i'm saying is from my point of view as someone who's not part of a group like that it feels almost impenetrable um it feels like you're sort of breaking in and i'm sure that we've talked about this before i'm, I'm sure that people would say well this is more down to your insecurity and your <laughs> psyche than anything else and you know i think you've said it to me on this podcast in 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 those terms i think you said you know look steve you've just got to go and get yourself out there and get and get over this stuff it's but, a you problem yeah but but yeah. but i do think that fixed tea bookings makes golf more inflexible yeah it makes and and that will absolutely suit some people and if i can have it both ways it suits me obviously at times as well but then there are occasions when i feel a bit on the outside looking in and that is a result of that's as a result of fixed tea booking if we had a roll-up on a saturday lunchtime at york i'd be i'd play saturday lunchtime every single week i would play every week i think that is um but I think that is true. I think you would do as well. Um, it's harder, isn't it, to break in? And like obviously, last week we talked loads about independent golfer and the, how much is handicap a reason for joining a golf club. I think that it, it's too much to say that tee booking is going to be a, a sort of bigger blow to golf club membership than iGolfer. But there is something in that, isn't there? Because you're losing that like the essence of the club aren't you like that's why you join in it so you can easily find people to play with easily make new friends um and you know at my my former club at sandburn um i did exactly what you did we had blocked booked times there was six or seven um and by the time i'd gone through three months of that i knew half the club yeah i knew i knew knew half the club so i always had a game um and i've not and it's partly because of when the roll-up is, because obviously I'm a working person, so I can't I can't just rock up on a Wednesday at 12 o'clock or a Friday at 12 o'clock. I get paid to do something else. Um, but that not being there, that, that availability not being there means that even though I've been at my new club 18 months, I know far fewer people. Yeah. I know far fewer people. And I, I, I reckon I now get to make my usual point again. So what hap- what happens when we can't have we we can't agree in our own brains whether roll ups are a good thing or a bad thing, let alone get different people to agree. So you end up with either a club coming up with some hybrid system, which we have done to a certain extent, which I think is a total mess personally. Um and or you get people just trying to hijack the system that they've been given, i.e. if it's a T sheet, you just block book a load of times and you have your roll up within the confines of that those times neither of those is optimal is it because it's just it's basically saying you know we haven't really we can't really get this to work so 
it doesn't not go back to you need different facilities to suit different people so at a club which is 100 percent private members you can just have a roll-up and the people will join that golf club because that's the experience they want if the course next door is 100 percent pay and play of course it has t-sheets and that suits people who want to have t-sheets is that not what's but that's we just need better diversity of facility yeah and i and i think yeah i i think that i mean i personally like a hybrid i think it works well at york there might be people who disagree with me on that um but it does give me the option to rock up early in the morning and it does give me the option to book a tea time if i want during the day i mean and my insecurities around that are my own um as we said but i agree with you entirely actually i think if clubs were more open about what they're offering um then golfers would have easier choice and i think it's when you get in, it's on you only find out sometimes how golf clubs are operating when you get into them and by that time you've you might have made a commitment and it might be too late i think that you know golf clubs like uh all woodley for example who uh who we've talked about obviously with their not very many tea times at all they should be proud of that it's part of their tradition it's part yeah. of their cult it's part of their culture they should celebrate that um and you know the um the proprietary club perhaps you know like uh, let's use a nearby example uh, maybe a proprietary club like Leeds. I don't know how Leeds operate, but I imagine it's T-booked, right? If that's the case, then they should celebrate the fact that here you are, you can just sign up here. You can basically, yeah, you, you can get your digital option, pick your tea time, come down and play. But but, but I don't think, are either of those to, to people who are not members of them open like that about what they are? Well, that's, I mean, that, that is very, very close to the... Uh, the point that I'm trying to make, I think you've expressed it probably better, is that, you, yeah, there's too much trying to be something you're not, trying to suit all, all the people all the time. And clubs like you, as you rightly say, should just say, this is this is how we do it. And they'll get customers who want to do it that way. But, but I think they haven't done that because they they're not in the market of being discerning when it comes to a customer base now obviously all woodley are right you know and 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 clubs of their ilk are they are discerning about the members that they choose to come into the club but a lot of clubs aren't like that they see a member they see a possible member coming and they think i want that member that's that's an annual subscription for me right and i understand that and we've come from a background of there are not enough golf club members or not enough people spending money at our golf club. And COVID has changed that to a certain extent. And the participation figures that we've seen from the RNA this week show that the, the, the post pandemic boom is very, very much still in operation, you know, still millions of people playing on golf courses every year. So I think this is the perfect time actually to be more discerning about it, to say, this is what we are because you can chase the buck as much as you like, um, and you can get the person in there, but if the golf club then doesn't suit the person, they're going to leave. Yeah, and you just because tie it yourself does, in knots. Yeah, because it, so it's it's short term for no long term game, in my opinion. Yeah, it's good. What's the WHS thing? Yeah, so uh, I, I'm going to. I, I, I think people would say that I've been very much in favour of roll ups, um, but I am going to say something about roll ups that people are going to get cross with me about those who play roll-ups really ups. really really want to talk about whs again no uh, well it is part of whs but i want to talk about competitions so my roll-up 
your roll up probably ran on a very similar basis in that you all turned up you played it you paid an entry fee you probably played to the rules of golf i.e you hold out maybe there was some gimmies in some circuit but mostly when there's money on the line people want to see putts hold right you filled in a scorecard you went into the bar afterwards you got a pint you all worked out the points and someone got paid there was a winner right in every circumstance of whs that's a competition don't, don't say it it's a competition don't say it don't and you say should put, it. Don't and you should put it. and you should put your card in uh, you're, this, gonna to, this, you're gonna have to say it again because i've talked right over you if yeah, okay i will i will explain it if you play if you play it around to the rules of golf on a regular basis if you score that round if you pay an entry fee and then there is a payment that comes afterwards for your good work that is a competition it's a comp it's the absolute definition of competition and it's I don't not want to submit my card steve i don't want to submit my card well don't play in the roll-up four times a week then i'm playing roll-up because it's social it's my free time it's a leisure time and seeing my friends okay well don't play to the rules of golf then have gimmies play team events but if you're playing individual stableford it's a competition it's a competition but we want to play stableford that's what we do steve and, and the point and i i don't want to get too serious about this because there's a little bit of lightheartedness about it but the one of the things that a lot of people are complaining about is um scores that aren't accurate then winning competitions and if you're playing lots and lots and lots and lots of golf and not putting scores in, you're pretty much battle hardened. And the idea is that your handicap might not be reflective of your ability. So if that's the case, then, then how do you want WHS to deal with that? Do you want it to deal with it through exceptional scores? Do you want four ball to come in, which who knows whether that'll happen or not? Or can we just accept that when money's on the line, it's a competition and you and you put a scorecard in? Oh, I can't decide whether to get stuck into this or not. I'm going to, I can't resist it. It's the whole, this whole thing, it comes down to ego, right? So the, the point of the handicap system, Kongu, WHS, Dave's handicap book, is to level the playing field. So friends, regardless of their ability at golf, can have a friendly game against each other. That's, that's why it exists, right? Mm. Uh, the fact that handicap exists basically makes the competition non-serious, like in it by its very existence, right? Because if you're having a serious competition at something, be it running or football or whatever, you don't think how do we make this as equal as possible? You just the just the best person wins, right? So I think what people need to do is just decouple the handicap from serious competition because it's not. And then people, I think, would be happy to submit cards because the handicap would fluctuate. It wouldn't matter if it went up. It wouldn't matter if it went down because it would change all the time. But this just goes back to this. It's ego and it's habit and it's custom and it's cultural and it's different in America than it is here where golf is. We, we, we have this weird obsession with winning flipping Stableford Club competitions. Why? I personally think at some point, I've got no um, grounds for saying this, no one in Handicap Town has, has said this to me, but I'd be very surprised if some point, if in the if in a revision of the rules of Handicap, for example, we didn't see this thing become mandatory. You know, we, we've talked about mandatory scores. I don't think man, I don't think social golf will ever become mandatory in this country. It will just, you know, the, people going out for an enjoyable round. But I think 
there is a, there is a likelihood in the future perhaps of the the term competition being defined and if your competition if if what you're doing meets that definition then you'll have to put your score in for handicap england golf are down this road already they're already and they've been saying to people for years keep an eye out on swindles in the winter keep an eye out on winter leagues look at the people who are doing really well they were doing that pre-whs and it's england golf as well who were saying and, and other handicapping authorities to be fair too who were saying you know what is a competition the definite you know and, and what we're talking about in terms of rules of golf is yeah. the definition yeah. of a competition so i'd be surprised if this doesn't happen in the future i don't have any um inside track on that by the way that's just a personal opinion people might come on and tell me i'm completely barking up the wrong tree wouldn't be the first time but so <laughs> it would get it would get you down the line wouldn't it without having to make every gp score mandatory Yes, it would certainly get more scores submitted, and it, it would be an obvious thing to target. So your your kind of um, you remember those public uh, safety announcements from the eighties where you had like Charlie person. Your sort of public announcement would be keep your roll ups, but make sure you submit your cards. That's what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah, but I don't think I can say it in in Charlie language. <laughs> <laughs> shall, shall we just end it there i think so yeah